The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The brain is our personal tool to keep us at our best and realize self-esteem. The mind, body, and immune system work together to help us make the right choices and to reach our purpose and potential. Welcome to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Lindsay and her guests are the go-to experts when it comes to relationships, sexuality, parenting, and wellness. We're here to enlighten and inform you. Now, here is your host, Lindsay Levinson. Hi, I'm Lindsay Levinson. I am your host here on Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is a choice. You guys make this choice to tune in. And whether you're listening live or whether you've chosen to come back and listen through archive, you're part of 20,000 plus people choosing this. So that means we're all in this together. And you know what? I think it's fabulous. So thanks. Our show today and our guest is one you won't want to miss. I am about to introduce him. I'm going to go through my Lindsay logistics where I tell you a few things, but don't tune us out. Get a cup of coffee, water, kick your feet up, whatever you need to do to listen to my little spiel that I do on logistics, which is this. Check us out on Facebook. That's just the word illuminating now. And it's all one word. And a lot of stuff is going on. A lot of stuff. We've got activity galore happening there. (laughs) Some good stuff. You guys are going to like it. It's fun. And Twitter has really come to life. So I really want you to check that out. Same exact address with an at sign. So it's at sign, illuminating now. Twitter's got a lot of activity. And again, this stuff's just interesting and fun and kind of moving and quite inspirational. So that's why I ask you to check it out. And I would certainly love your feedback. My website, qualityforlifecoaching.com. That's four words, no letters, all together, qualityforlifecoaching.com. It's really fun. It's interactive. Blog, iTunes, videos, the shows. I've offered to give you a free consultation if there's anything I can help you with. So definitely hit me up through that site. But if you don't want anything from me or don't want to talk to me, at least check it out because it's fun to look at. And i like you to take down the address of the guest that I'm about to introduce, but that is www.davidtuckerow.com. And it's spelled D-A-V-I-D. T-U-C-C-A-R-O.com. And David Tuckero is all one word in the middle there. Okay, so we are going to have a show for you. This is part two of a two-week series, and it's going to really move and touch your heart today. So I'm going to tell you uh, a little bit about David Tuckero. I do hope that you listened last week, and that's what archives are for. If you didn't, go back and do because you'll want to hear both halves of this. It's really interesting what David has been through and how he describes it. I think we can all relate to some things that he says, and I think he has ways to help every one of you, no matter what is your situation. David Tuckero Jr. is the guest, and he is the subject that compelled the book, Bad to the Bone. Okay, so right away, 
If you're not going to do it now, write it down because I want you to Google it. Bad to the bone. The writer and author is Marilla Scott. M-A-R-A-L-A. Marilla Scott. She's a nationally acclaimed and award-winning author. She was named by Oprah Winfrey as Ambassador of Hope. David's story, Bad to the Bone, takes you on a tumultuous journey of self-discovery through his pain and hopelessness while captivating you with details of his experiences and a lot of his revelations. Now David's committed to bringing awareness to life-saving impact that you can have and that a donor unselfishly can provide. Again, you can immediately figure out what I'm talking about or join this movement by going to www.davidtuccaro.com. That's where to learn all about David Tuckero Jr. because there's lots of other stuff at that site to understand him and to become a donor. This story offers strength. It offers inspiration that you never even knew you had when you're done reading it. And I'm going to say, David, welcome back. I am so glad you're back for the second week of the two-part series. Thanks for being here. Hi, thank you again for having me on. This has uh, been such an awesome show to be on, and I really appreciate uh, being able to uh, do the second part and really hopefully, uh, you know, really, really inspire people now to go out there and donate some bone marrow. Yeah. Thank you again for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm just so happy you're here. And, and, and we're going to, I'm going to ask you questions, but I'm going to want you, you know, I want you take this anywhere you want. So, because <laughs> I really, yeah, I want, I want the attention for the bone marrow donation piece. Um, I want all you listeners to know that along with all my different social media stuff, um, there is an about me page that got published. And I got to choose a cause, and I chose bone marrow donation. And so it's at the top of my page on About Me, and I've gotten a lot of feedback on it. So, um, you know, so there's different ways you can do things. And um, I, I, I just want you guys to go check out my About Me page, and you can find that by just going to my Facebook and scrolling down, and it says, check out my About Me. So does my, um, you know, so do many of my other sites. So anyway, okay, David. Let's give the listeners a little bit of the story of just the leukemia piece, because certainly you have been through a lot. Yeah. You discover something's wrong. How old are you when you discover this? I just turned 25. Uh, my birthday's in September, and I was diagnosed in December. Okay. When's your birthday? September 6th. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. So um, y- you are... you. Then, as we now roll, this just had your birthday. And so, okay, you're 25 when you start to discover something. In December, they diagnose you. What, what is it that you're finding that you're needing to ultimately get diagnosed? What are the symptoms? Well, the symptoms were, the first symptom I really noticed, the major one was on my left side. It was like a repetitive, sharp stabbing, hot knife kind of in my spleen. And I, I didn't pay any attention to that. I just kind of took it as it was, thought it was something else. And, you know, from there, graduated to um, like a really intense flu, uh, nausea, vomiting, hemorrhaging, extreme fatigue. You know, I couldn't get up off a couch to get a glass of water. Uh, the pain was pretty tremendous as well. But overall, the, the, what really kind of threw me off was the white dots and these black floaties in my vision. And it would get so bad at times that I couldn't even see anything except for just floaties. Uh, so... <sighs> Yeah, and for me, at first, you know, I just attributed it to ulcers. That's all I could 
think of was ulcers because, you know, my grandma had ulcers. So I'd gone to see a doctor up in Fort McMurray, Alberta, Canada, and I said, I think I've got ulcers. So we both attributed it to ulcers. I, I didn't, you know, think of the word cancer at that time. And uh, during that time, my father had repeatedly said, David, you need to get your blood work done. And I didn't do it until it was obviously way too late. So, you know, from there, like I said, the, the, the symptoms just got progressively worse and worse and worse. Um, just till the point that, you know, I, I was told on December 23rd at 10 p.m. at night, David, we're either going to call an ambulance here or we're going to bring you to the hospital. I was, you know, I'm a very shy, introverted person. Was I should say, and I said I don't want to cause a scene. No ambulances, just take me in. So they took me in. Uh, instantly, I had a spike fever, so they brought me back. And from there, they just did a series of blood work. And at 2 a.m. Christmas Eve, the doctor came in. Your white cells are this. Your T cells are this. Your hemoglobin is this. Blah blah blah. Leukemia. Blah blah blah. And he left. And I just remember thinking. What's leukemia? I, I knew exactly what it was, but when I was told I had it, I knew, didn't know a thing about it. And I just, you know, from there, I was just kind of in shock. And then everything just kind of went really fast. I was flown to Vancouver. I was admitted to the hospital. I was brought to the cancer ward. And that was it. I, I don't really remember much in between there. And then that night, my friend came in and said, David, man, you need to power through this. So that first bit of advice, that first day, is what stuck in my mind the most, power through it. So every day I would just apply that to what it was I was going through. I couldn't ask for more than a day because I was never guaranteed it. So I'd always ask for an extra hour just to get through it. Let just just give me an hour to live. Give me an hour to live, and wow. just hold on to that hope. And that's pretty much what got me through it. Yeah, I mean that's so interesting how somebody can say, you know, words and 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 people are so precious. And I might have mentioned this on, on, on the last show that there's another um, individual, young gal, 31 with cancer, and how, you know, she heard, let your mess become your message. And 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 she talked about that, and she just held on to that. And it, it just became everything. Every time anything was wrong, each day she went, okay, what's the message here? This is a yeah. mess, you know? Yeah. And so that you took that, you power through this, and you and you knew, just pray for what is possible. I'll take the next hour, and then I'll exactly. check in from there. So you know, Life is a funny thing. We're never guaranteed our next breath. So for me, it felt like a lot to ask for another hour, but I would get that hour, and I would just build on that. And not only that, like in my head, you know, the doctor would put my blood counts up every day on a little white erase board. And I would sit there and I would just stare at that board. I'm like, I want that to change up too. I want that to change up one or that to change up a little bit. And I would just sit there and focus on it so much that the next day it would work like that. It didn't work every time. Some days I would, you know, five steps forward, 10 steps back, but it worked. It, It actually ended up, for me, it worked really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were really mind powering this thing. You were really working with it, and and as you're going through this, I I mean, I read the book. I you know, so the suffering. I mean, how do you grasp your thought process? How do you grasp being strong? How do you grasp asking for what you can, or or using any mind over matter or mind power of any kind when you're suffering in ways that you're forced to yeah. suffer? See, I know I was suffering, but for me, my mentality was, no matter how bad I have it, I know somebody else out there has it worse. And for me, it was passing away. That would have been worse. Like, I was just right there. So for me, it was just, like I said, holding on to a little bit of hope and faith and just, you know, knowing that somebody else has it worse and I can get out of this. And like you said, just a little bit of survival skills that you just, they come out of you naturally. 
Yeah, yeah. You just hold on. You have an instinct to hold on. It's all you have. And how do you think your family, like what, you know, it's hard. You're not in their shoes, but you've walked this journey now with them. Them watching a loved one, um, you know, I... I'm not going to say that's worse than being you, but I I have certainly been in ER and whatever watched um, my children, particularly my son, go through some things that were life or death, and um, and you know I would I would trade any minute I, I, because I can't control it. I want to control it and I can't. And it's yeah, like, that's oh, hard. Okay. Yeah. So how and do you think? That's what I found with my family. You know, being on the outside looking in, they're just like why can't we do anything? And it, it's frustrating. You know, why can't we help? Why can't we do anything? Doctors, do this, do this. Why, you know, why isn't it working? It just doesn't work that way. You know, and one thing I noticed was, you know, my family was very highly stressed because of it because they, they couldn't do anything about it, you know, and I, I just kept telling them and reassuring them that I would be okay, but it's just still not enough because they still want to see where you were when you were healthy. It, it's, it's weird seeing, you know, a family member laid up in a hospital bed like that. Do you feel like for your family, it did did it bring you, you know, did the family come closer or farther absolutely. apart? No, 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 absolutely. It brought us all closer night and day. But for me, especially with, you know, the relationship with my father, that just brought us really close together. And, you know, my father has always been my hero growing up, and I've always wanted to be what he was. And, you know, it just, it really brought us both closer together and, I hate to say a tragedy brings a family closer together, but in this case, it really did. No, I think I, I think that's so very true, and I think there's some really deep meaning. I mean, I go all the way back to, again, you're going to hear me say things like I think last time I talked about your drumming and maybe shamanism, yeah. and I might talk about Buddha, but suffering. Um, there is deep, deep meaning, and I think many of us in the world sort of could walk, if, if allowed to, could walk in mediocrity. We, we could be comfortable if given the chance, but it is, it is the depths of some sort of pain or tragedy or suffering that throw us into mindfulness. It throws us into what you're doing when you're talking about every minute counts. I'll take another hour, please. That's mindfulness. That's, that's when things matter so very much and family comes together and, you know, doesn't the petty things that we used to bicker about or, or maybe not even care about each other for certain reasons, it doesn't matter. We care a lot because we might not have much more time to care. So instead we pick out the things we do care about or we do honor. Did you find that? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And some of the differences, because when you say you and your dad, you because when you grew up, you your dad was this really outstanding pillar, right? I mean, it, it was a lot yeah. of that he was an overachiever and really accomplished. And, yeah. and and you wanted to have some of those under your belt. And while you were, I'm sure, accomplished yourself, we always measure against something that we then in our heads say, yeah, still not doing as good as I could. Did you face that? Mm, yeah, absolutely I did. Of course I did. And so the, the illness then just sort of threw that, out the window as far as who's better or who's facing, I mean, you know, how to accomplish this or that. It was about being loved. It was about being sick and being loved and your dad caring so much and you wanting so much for him not to be in pain and whatever that deep. Yeah. You know, it's hard to see, you know, like when you're there in the bed and all that, like I said, you know, when they're in the inside and they're just, they're screaming, why can't we do anything on the flip side? It's hard to see that, you know, for me, it was hard to see my dad just, 
beating his head, why can't I do anything about this? You know, or my mom just sitting there, you know, when she was with me in the hospital, why can't I do anything about this? Or my sister, or, you know, my other relatives, my grandmas, you know, why can't we do anything about this? But at the same time, it's just, it is what it is, you know what I mean? And yeah. for me, I just, I, I knew I was going to be okay after the doctor, you know, said I was going to pass away four times in three days, and he was wrong all four times, I knew <laughs> I was going to make it then. But it was, oh you know, like I, said, I knew it was, it, I kept saying I'm going to be okay, but you, you just, you don't hear that when you see all the tubes hooked up into you and all the medications going into there, or knowing that you have to get six rounds of radiation, or you need a higher dose of chemo, or you need a bone marrow transplant. Throughout all that, I still knew I was going to be okay. Wow. Because I, wow. you know, like I said, I would put up positive affirmations, like I said, just give me this hour, just let me get through this session. And like I said, every time I would get that, it would build my confidence up, so that way I could, I would feel better about it and but, you know, looking at the counts on the whiteboard and all that, there's a lot of little things that I would do to build up my confidence to get through what it is I need to get through. Right, right. It says so much. It says so much about why you're here and what your purpose is. And I'm going to just ask you, in that situation, so when you're at the, the worst, whatever the worst moments are, and you're in that, you know, what do you think you need the most when you think you're facing death? What is it that you is is you know do you, can you remember what you felt was the need you had or was it just to not believe that and to believe you needed to name the next thing you were going to do to step forward? Yeah, it was not never. I couldn't dwell in the area I was in because to me, it's either you let the disease consume you or you can consume it. And for me, I had to consume the disease. <laughs> How interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so you find out from the doctor that it is a bone marrow transplant that you need. Is that true? Yes. And do you understand what that means to you or to what the likelihood is that you'll find one or how hard it is for a person to yeah, be a donor? Yeah, it really was hard because before I, I had no idea what a you know bone marrow transplant was, but the doctor had come in and said, you know, you need a, blo- a bone marrow transplant. We've gone to the British Columbia Provincial uh, Registry. There's nothing there. We've gone to the Canadian Registry. There's nothing there. So now it's in the fate of the world, and it's in the World Bank data. So, you know, if there's a match for you out there, if you're lucky enough, if somebody was nice enough to get out there, you know how they're pessimistic, you'll be lucky. But we don't really see that happening because I, I love doctors to bits. I love them to death. But I love the pessimism because, for me, I love to prove them wrong all the time. <laughs> that, that's just my thing. I love doctors. I love to prove them wrong a lot. And I've done that a lot, too. Um, but he, he came in, and again, this is the first of it. He came in just shaking his head like, um, we didn't find one, but we actually found two matches for you. I'm like, oh, wow. So it comes down to choosing your blood type. And, you know, like I said, through this whole process, I was doing my best to be as positive as I could be. Be positive blood type comes up. I'm like, that's it. I, I'm owning the blood type now. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to own the blood type. So that's how I, you know, chose that particular uh, donation. And wow. the, 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 you know, the whole the bone marrow transplant was just like a simple blood draw, but it, it got pretty intense. Uh, the second half, it, it got really intense, but, you know, I, I blasted it. And, you know, I stayed in the hospital for the next hundred days. Got out, and from there I just looked forward to my one year, then my two year, and then my five year, and now I'm looking forward towards my ten year in remission. I'm uh, seven years right now. Wow, wow. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, so you picked that blood type, which is awesome, and um, and so so what was was there anything easy about it? Was the whole thing hard for you on your end of it? It was. 
even though, like I said, you know, at the first half was easy. It was just like a normal blood draw. We had family and friends in the room, and then all of a sudden, you know, it just everything it, it started taking, and I just I lost a lot of consciousness. I really don't remember what happened after that. I just remember being extremely cold and having a lot of uh, about fifteen to twenty like warm blankets. So I mean, I was still really cold. So you know, it was a bit tough after, but you know, about the next two weeks, you know, it just started getting better for me. So, you, and, and better just means that you were coming to sort Getting of homeostasis. Healthier. Your yeah. body was coming to back to where it felt normal. Exactly. Okay. And at that point, and, and even as you stand today, did you get left with permanent illnesses through yeah, state? absolutely. I, every morning to this day, I still wake up in extreme pain. I've got a disease called avascular necrosis, which was an offset disease from the high doses of prednisone. And it's essentially the deadening of all the joints. And at this point, I've had both of my hips replaced, my left shoulder replaced, and my right knee replaced. My back is completely compressed. My lower lumbar is completely compressed. Um, it's bulging, hitting nerves. The inside of the spine is tightening around the cords. So I've got to get a surgery for that. I've got to get my left knee replaced and my right shoulder replaced. But... It is what it is. I'm still alive. I don't care about the surgeries. As long as I'm healthy and I'm happy, it doesn't matter. Just bring it on, you know. But uh, I also have kidney disease from, you know, the anti-rejection pills and, um, oh, what was the other one? Oh, and graft versus host from, uh, it's an offset from the bone marrow transplant, which means, you know, at any time it can uh, reject. But it, it, the longer you go on, the, the more chances are you're not going to, you know, succumb to it. Yeah. Are you healthy enough? You clearly have had all these different oh, yeah. things in place, so you're healthy to go have these surgeries. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I've been seeing a holistic doctor down in Orange County, California, for the last uh, just over five years now. And the treatments he's done to me are just been night and day, you know, just basically replenishing all the nutrients and stuff my body needs. And he's done such an amazing job at that that, you know, I'm probably in a place where I'm healthier now than where I was before I got sick. Wow. Yeah, it's it, like I said, it's it been a tremendous transformation seeing this doctor. Wow, and how did you find the the doctor in Orange County? Uh, just by luck, actually. I was looking for, uh, I was coming to California to um, see some people, and then he just happened to be uh, at the facility I was going to get uh, treatment for, for uh, what I was going through. And he was one of the doctors there and he's like, I can fix you. And he started doing treatments to me to get me stronger and healthier. You know, at this point I was still really in rough shape. My shoulders were bad. My left hip still wasn't replaced. So he built me up, you know, from the inside out. And then also from the mental level, he, he, we talked all the time about, you know, just, just to get rid of everything and just renew me, if you will. I love that. I love that. Renew you. Well, I because you're because you're still in Canada. That's where you reside. No. Is that no, no? I'm actually in Orange County, California. I'm between uh, both countries, but I mostly reside in uh, Orange County, California, right now. Oh well, I'm sorry. You and I are going to have to meet at some point because awesome. <laughs> if you're in California, we're going to pull something together. I have to meet you. So um, definitely, yeah. That's 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 fantastic. And yeah, and I I. Well, I graduated. I mean, mine's a psychology degree, but it was the Holistic School of Studies uh, that I got my master's degree from and a um, huge believer in integrative health. It's something I practice and evangelize greatly. So I love to hear that that's what you're doing. And I, you know, there's just so many things that you're becoming an expert on now, right? Like, you know, exactly. 
Yeah, yeah, and so you're able to to share that with others. And I know we talked last time about um, about drumming and about different things that are so inspirational. And even the writing of the book, you gave tips to people listening that what that book and what the healing process was, working with Marilyn and being heard and being listened to and being believed as to what your story was and no judgment gave you a chance to, that's part of the renewal as well, to really, you know, be with yourself and be okay with it and start to move through your healing, right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I um, I think that was really powerful. I know. Um, do do you want to speak to just for uh, any thoughts on on what 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 does writing do besides writing a book? What does writing do for anybody that it, might it's be? A, it's a very therapeutic thing, and, and if you're going, think you're having a bad day. I, I found journaling was a great tool just to get all that negative energy out of me. But you can even go as far as just on a post-it note or writing on a piece of paper, just what's making you angry or what's upsetting you. Put it out on paper and, you know, if it involves a person, maybe bring it to them or just, you know, look at it and go back later and then just, you know, see, oh, maybe that was a silly thing I was thinking and just kind of grow from there. But I find if you put put it out on paper, you, you can't forget that thought because now you're looking at it and then all you can do is kind of, figure out where to go from there and hopefully it doesn't you know be detrimental to you but you don't grow from it right right i love it and 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 there's a thing that i call purge and process which is part of it and i mentioned that last week too but that um there's a whole psychological thing about taking things from your head and putting them on paper but you actually cleanse space in your brain for new things and new ways of thinking and new healing and a lot of people don't understand if it's all in your brain there's actually not you know room for everything and that's what sometimes suppression and repression are about which can ultimately make us sicker so to david's advice about continuing to just go ahead and journal log write process just put some stuff down and absolutely have a log to be able to look back on so that's that's pretty good stuff we are going to have to take a break and i want to get into the part about bone marrow donation i want to talk about david's cause i want to talk about david's story i it's so so interesting but as we had to break i just want to say during the break make it useful go ahead and google bad to the bone because this is a book i'm not even someone i actually don't like to read that much now i will say having this show i've read a lot of books but this book i didn't put it down until i was done i literally started it and did not put it down until it was done that is how moving this book was it was so compelling for me and So it's a fantastic book. It's inspirational. It's informational. It's a powerful story. It's heart-wrenching, and it's truly, truly worth the read. So check out Bad to the Bone, and please check out David Tuccaro, Tuccaro, T-U-C-C-A-R-O, davidtuccaro.com. Go check that out. You're going to love it. He's got his survivor tattooed on his four knuckles on the top. It's amazing. You've just got to go check it out. We will be right back. Stay tuned. Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even coworker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things. 
and together you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite, live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Ooh, John Are you happy with just accepting and passing along what the media, politicians, and government are feeding you? Or are you positively sick of it? It's time to get the real facts and form your own decisions. It's time to awaken the sleeper within you. Each week, host Dr. Nick Castellano will uncover various viewpoints and topics designed to inform and present the truth. Today's masses are manipulated by media coverage, and we will not become sheeple. Tune in to Awaken the Sleeper, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace to speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Want to help make our world a better place, but not sure where to start? Tune into Better Worldians Radio with the creators of the social game on Facebook called A Better World. Join hosts Ray, Mary Sue, and Gregory Hansel, who will inspire you to make a big difference in small ways. They'll speak to experts, authors, volunteers, and everyday people who are changing the world daily. Better Worldians Radio is heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. are tuned in to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. To connect with Lindsay or her guest, please call in to the show at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to lindsay244 at sbcglobal.net. That's l-i-n-z-i-244 at sbcglobal.net. Now, back to Illuminating Now. Hi, I'm Lindsay Levinson. We are back, and you are listening to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. And we are here with our guest, David Takaro Jr., and he was here last week. So this is part of a two-part series. Makes sense, right? Two parts, two weeks, David's here. So we're really lucky to have him. The book is Bad to the Bone, and I want to repeat that the author is Marilla Scott, and I want to repeat a couple other things about her because, I mean, who gets named Ambassador of Hope by Oprah Winfrey? So this was, you know, for another book she wrote and and for the kind of person that she is. She is nationally acclaimed. She is award-winning as an author, but she's mostly a beautiful person, and she comes to the table with some real truth in the way that she is an author. And David came to discover that as well and really built a connection with her. And that contributed to his healing tremendously. So bad to the bone, Marilla Scott, please look it up. I'm also going to throw out the website again for David. It's www.davidtuckero.com. Last name spelled T-U-C-C-A-R-O, but it is combined with David in the middle there. So one word, dot com. 
Okay, so I want to make sure you have those because they're really critical because there's so much about David. You can get the book there. Um, I want you to I want you to see him. I want you to see the cover of the book is worth buying it. David has tattoos that tell stories of his life. So this artwork is presented on his body. It's really amazing. And he has the link to the site where you can choose to become a bone marrow donor. So that's why I am such an advocate that you get over to that site and at least look. It never hurts to look. Always good to learn. And David, I I, I guess I want to ask you, has the site, have you felt like that's been a good way to get the word out? Has it been difficult? It's it's hard sometimes to figure out how to get people to know where to find you or to become donors. Actually, people have been uh, able to find me pretty easily. I, you know, I'm on Facebook at, you know, David Tuckero, T-U-C-C-A-R-O. On Twitter at DJ Tuckero, or you know, if people want to get a hold of me personally on my website, DavidTuckero.com, you know, there, there's a lot of different ways people are able to get a hold of me. And, and also, I really do put myself out there on the social media as well, whether it's, you know, the Leukemia Lymphoma Society or Delete Blood Cancer. I, I'm always promoting those kind of pages and really just putting all that stuff on a platform and, and just kind of really showing people just how easy it is to sign up and register and, and just how, and also, I'm trying to get the point across to people that it's a painless process and it's also free and you know all you need to do is if you go to my website www.davidtuckero.com there's a link there that says become a donor you click on that it's going to take you right to the delete blood cancer site from there you just put in your general information they're going to send you two swab kits for yourself and a family or a friend you know, and you just, it's as simple as you take it out of the tube, swab the inside of your cheek, put it back in, send it all free of charge. They're going to run your DNA, and hopefully you're not a match. That's just the goal of it. But if you are a match, they'll let you know as soon as, you know, it comes up. And from there, the process is very simple. You just go take a medication, they take it out, and you're good. No pain. Very easy, very quick, no pain. And, and you know, I'm just trying to let people know now with the technology coming as far as it has, it's just a painless process now. And I'm urging everybody just to go to my webpage, davidtuckerow.com, sign up, and that's it. You know, it's the simplest swab on the inside of your cheeks. And the reward is you get to save a life. And there's nothing greater than that in the world. And I'm just really hoping people start to uh, line up, sign up, and save lives and start creating... um, creating, you know, a, a place where the recipients can meet the donors and we just start sharing these success stories. Yeah, it's a very powerful thing. I want to make sure I'm I am starting to call myself logistic, Lindsay, because I do care so much about these little details that so can can you tell us the places that you can get your book? I want to make sure that we yeah, do absolutely. Yeah, tell us where. My, my book is available everywhere. Amazon.com, Barnes and Barnes and Noble com, iTunes, and uh, on Amazon as well. If you go to Amazon, you can get the pa- the paperback or the ebook, um, and also www.davidtuckerow.com for a signed hardback uh, version of my book. And I will personally sign that and send it out to you. Awesome. But anywhere else, Kobo, Barnes and Noble, iTunes, Amazon, it's everywhere. Uh, David Tuckerow, uh, Bat to the Bone: The True Story of David Tuckerow by Meryl Scott. That's awesome. And I did download it through Kindle, and I also got the hard copy as well. So, um, yeah, it's very, you know, I mean, like I said, I wanted it quick gratification. I had it through Kindle, and I was reading it right then. So, 
there's just so many ways, but um, but what a great thing to get his signature as as well as an option. So you may want to go right to his site and take him up I on that. I would put option. a nice little inspirational message on there for everybody as well, you know. And it's just just you know, it's just just you know, the message in the book is really just to show just how important the bull marrow donation. That's really what the the whole book is about. Just to say, it's what saved my life, and it's what can save others. So let's talk about that. So first of all, when you said, um, you know, you go, you get these kits, you swab, and then you said, um, did you say hopefully you're not a match, but if you are, blah, blah, blah? Yeah, you don't want to be a match because that means somebody's got the cancer, you know what I mean? So that's what I'm saying. You don't want somebody to have it, but I mean, if you put yourself out there and that person does, then, you know, but, you know, the goal is to, like I said, get rid of cancer. That's why I said... You don't want to be a match. But if you are a match, then let's get rid of the cancer. You know That's what I mean? That's interesting. Well, so yeah. um, isn't... I mean, it, and the other thing, the other reason why I say that is because you never know whose life you could be saving. That's the other thing. If you donate today, somebody could get it tomorrow, and they could be saved, you know? So that, that's the thing about it is you never know when, you never know who, and you never know where. That's the importance of it. And so if you're not a match, they keep your information. So Absolutely. if the next day... Absolutely, you are it, a match. Then you become, or if you become a match, yes. Okay. So tell us about your bone marrow donor. Tell us about um, the process of what it was to meet him and, and what you think of him and how that happened and how profound that is in your life to know that this person, Christian, exists. Absolutely. I'll, I'll just take that right back to the very beginning. So after you get your bone marrow transplant, you have to wait for two years uh, for it to settle in your system before you're able to uh, reach out and to your bone marrow registry to reach out to the person. So after the two years, I reached out to the Vancouver uh, British Columbia registry. He reached out to the DKMS in Germany, and for about two years, it got lost in translation because I was writing, he was writing, I was writing, he was writing. But between Vancouver and Germany, it just it was missed somewhere. So four years go by, and I get a message from a person up in Vancouver, your bone marrow donor would love to meet you. Oh, of course I want to meet him. I want to meet the person that, you know, saved my life. And all of a sudden I started, you know, crying. I was of tears of joy. Yeah. And I just said, I know you can't tell me much right now, but can I ask you three quick questions? And he's like, sure. Male, female, age, and where are they from? And he told me male, uh, uh, 30s, and from Germany. And I just knew it was going to be from Germany. Something in me, before I knew anything, told me it was going to be from Germany. And the reason why I say that is my mom's British, and I knew the only way I was going to get any kind of a bone marrow transplant, because I'm half British and half Native American, and I knew it was going to be somewhere from Europe that was going to be from Europe. I don't know what made me think that, but I thought it was (laughs) Germany or England for sure. And the reason why I said Germany was because they're just so far ahead in, you know, research and advancement and technology, and that's why I said Germany, and I was just, I was right. I couldn't believe I was right. It just (laughs) boggled my mind. (laughs) And then, you know, from there, we started talking back and forth on the email and Facebook, and then I I got him over here to uh, Los Angeles, and then... Whew, I'll never forget that day. We, there was me, my mom, uh, my fiance, and a friend were in LAX, and we were holding up signs, you know, welcome into my bone marrow donor, Christian. And then he came through, and then he pointed to me, and I'm like, me? And he's like, yeah. And keep in mind, in LAX, there's this big yellow line, and it says, big, big, bold yellow letters, do not cross. 
there's about three or four armed guards, you know, uh, submachine guns right there. Right. And then he pointed to me, but I was there for about four hours waiting, and a lot of people came out to me, oh, my God, that's beautiful. That's such an inspirational thing. Oh, good for you. God bless you. So when he, when he pointed to me, I dropped the sign. I ran straight up to him, crossed the yellow line, gave him the biggest hug, and just I just couldn't stop saying thank you. And I was even more thankful that those guards let it happen. Oh, and then right. from there, you know, the questions came, why did you do it? What made you do it? And just, he just, he just you know, he did it because uh, there was somebody in his family that was sick, and he did a bone marrow drive. His church did a bone marrow drive, and he wasn't a mass, but they'd ask if he would still donate, and of course, he got the call. There's a young man in Canada, 25, could use your bone marrow. Sure, give it to him, you know, and that was it. That, that, that's how it just started. And, you know, that's what I'm saying. You never know whose life you could be saving. And that's why it's always important to be on that registry list. He didn't think he was going to be donating, but, you know, a few years go by, and all of a sudden, there it is. Oh, that's so inspirational. Yeah. I just have goosebumps everywhere. Yeah. I just love that story, and I love the way you tell it, and oh, my gosh. It's it funny because he, 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 I, we're genetic DNA twins, right? But it's like uh, that, remember that movie Twins in the 80s, Danny DeVino and Arnold Schwarzenegger? It's yes. kind of like that with us. You know, I'm 6'4", he's like 5-something, and it's just, it was funny. That was his inside joke with us. It was It was funny. <laughs> Oh my god, I love it, love it! Oh, the whole, the whole thing like it is. It's such like a tragedy happened to you, but oh my gosh, the stories that are coming out of this, and 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 the laughter and the fun and the strength <laughs> yeah. and and just to, to God, it just moves me to hear that story. And do you have to be? And maybe you don't know this, so if you don't say so you don't know, because I certainly don't know, but. Do you have to have never been sick, or do you have to be well at a certain level, or is it just the kind of blood you have? I mean, I, I guarantee no, it's they're not. Just, uh, I think it's just an age range thing. And I mean, if you if you have like previous like major illnesses, I don't think you can. Like if you you know had cancer or stuff like that. I, I, if you go to the website davidtuckerow.com, click on the become a uh, bone marrow donor. It'll have all that information on there. But as far as I know, it's just you know between eighteen to fifty five years old. You have to be in that range to donate. I gotcha. Yes. Okay. Um, so how do you, well, first of all, is Christian still in Germany? Is that where he lives? Yes. Still? Yes. Yeah. He's up in northern Germany. <laughs> got to get him to Orange County. <laughs> yeah, we got him down here. Actually, last summer we got him and his family down here, and, you know, we did the Disneyland stuff and just took him all over Orange County, and it, it was just such a, that was one of the most beautiful times in my life was, being able to meet his whole family, and uh, we're actually, you know, I'm hoping to get out there in a few months to go visit him now in Germany, so I'm really hoping that's going to happen soon. It's just amazing, and and as you promote this cause, I mean, because you talk also, you do other things too. You visit people, don't you? You visit people who are sick or talk to them. I, I, oh, I mean, yeah, talk, talk to me about that. Well, right now, I'm, I'm my my thing is I want to get out and start talking in hospitals, you know, especially in the wards, just giving you know the people directly hope. That that's what I really want to do. That's what's you know in my heart and soul is to, just to get to these people and really help them, and also you know help the family members as well. Like, well, why can't we do anything about it? You know, just explain stuff to them, you know, and how you can actually be helpful. And and, and also you know, like I said, social media has been such an amazing tool for me. I, I reach out to people, they reach out to me, and. You know, my son's going through this, and your story really, you know, helped him. And I, I, I get this all the time, and I reach back out to them, and I'm like, thank you. You know, that, that's what I'm trying to do with this book is and inspire people to never give up hope. And 
always push forward and know that if you have it bad, somebody else has it worse. That should be more than enough motivation to get yourself going. And to donate bone marrow is another major thing that I'm obviously promoting, and that's what I'm that's what I'm really trying to get out there is to save lives. And, you know, I've met a lot of people from the bone marrow uh, transplant recovery page on Facebook and meeting a lot of people just talking and hearing their stories. It's been really a fun, interesting ride. It, it sounds like it. It really does. And and I'm just to listen to you, you know, clearly, like you said, <laughs> there was a time when you were an introvert, um, no, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big word. It was. <laughs> I know. I know. Because you are just so personality plus, man. I mean, you're mm-hmm. out there, just your personality, your voice. And I know you were a DJ from the past and that I can hear. I mean, you've got the voice. The voice. Um, what, well, you, cer- you certainly have the voice. There's no question about that. But what you have now is a shining light. Like there's this Absolutely. light that shines through you. It is so powerful for your desire to help and your way to make sense of things for yourself and for others, which is is so truly magnificent to walk with that because um, like uh, like there's something I have and it's different than what you have, but I call it the knowing. And I feel like that's what I hear from you. That's the best way I can do it is I rarely give it to anyone else or say that I recognize it in someone, but it's the knowing. It's actually the knowing. And if you understand what that means, it's inside you, you just know, and it leads you toward places you want to go. It leads you to evangelize causes that matter to you and to make changes in the world. Yeah. And I really, I really hear that in you. And What's what's your relationship now with um, with Marilla? Like, do you stay in touch with her? Oh gosh, every day we talk all the time. Yeah, it, really? She's just been she's been such an absolute pillar for me to you know lean on and to you know really just get all the. When I was doing the book with her, you know, I flew out to her house several times in Ohio, and you know we'd just sit there and have like a casual conversation. But you know what I didn't realize was she was actually picking all those little moments out of me that I remember that were really detrimental that I was holding on to that I couldn't let go of. And we, we, I would talk about it and get it out. And then all of a sudden, you know, at the end of the whole thing, I'm like, whoa, I feel like a million pounds lighter. There's nothing on my back holding me down. And now it's all on paper and I can read it. It's not in me anymore. So yeah, we talk all the time and, you know, she's just, she's always there for me. And she's just, she's, oh, just such an amazing lady. I just, I'm so grateful and thankful that, you know, she, she took my story on and, you know, did it the most justice that anybody could have done. Yeah. And you, you reached out to her. That was you. You did that. I read her book in her house and was just blown away by her story writing. And I, I, I didn't know really how much to do a book. So I just said, this is my story. Would you help me out? And she's like, of course, you know, she just, she loved the story idea. And she just thought it was you know, more than the story, she just kind of wanted to help me get, you know, get out of these feelings. And, you know, and then on top of that, you know, show people the the first-hand perspective of a cancer patient, but also that of the bone marrow donor, you know, which you don't really hear a lot of. So there's a bone marrow donor's perspective in there as well. Right. They're, they're... You know, and then that's, you know, she, that was, you know, there was just this, all this, it was just her idea and to do these other things, but it was my story and my words, and I would write all this stuff out and just give it to her. I'm like, I don't know what else to write. This is all, this is everything I've been through, and she just kind of put it in place to make sense of it all, you know? Right, right, right. And she got you. She really got you. So when you gave her that stuff, she wasn't, 
you know, just bumbling around trying to think, well, what does this mean? What kind of story do you want me to tell? She was listening so much to so many conversations you had, so many things you shared that it was just, you know, whatever you gave her in writing was just some structural guide, you know, guidance around who you are, who she really got. Didn't you feel like she completely got you as a human and got oh, your story? Absolutely. And it was because she got me as a human that my other, other people got to get me as a human because of the book. A lot of my family members, a lot of my friends, I had no idea you felt like that. I didn't know you thought like that. I didn't know you, you know, you hurt like that. And I just, like, everybody didn't know because I didn't tell anybody. Because remember, I told you I was introverted. I was quiet. I didn't tell anybody anything. So when they got the book, it was like, oh, my God, this is like your tell-all, you know. Yeah, but it's, you know, about helping people with what I went through, you know, whether it was being you know, scared of the diagnosis or having nightmares from, you know, the horrors of surgeries or anything like that. You know, there's just so much in there. Right, right. That That's so powerful. I hope you listeners are listening to that in reading the book and in what he said about journaling and writing down and ultimately being able to share because quite often people don't understand you, don't ever get the information or they hear it and think you're, oh, you're on too many meds or, oh, that's a little cuckoo or I don't think you'll remember that right, David. That sounds a little off, you know, and, and so when someone just takes it at exact face value, doesn't judge you and recreates it in a way that's an extension of you, then all of a sudden you're able to hand that book to people and they're like, wow, that's exactly. really, yeah, yeah, you yeah. got honored for that. You know, as last time, the show flies by. I am determined we're not done with our connection, David, because I, no. just, I just think you're fantastic. <laughs> I'm so drawn to you. You're just amazing. But I am going to do my Lindsay Logistic kind of show closer things while you stand with me here and hang tight. And um, so I'm going to recap and I'm going to say today we have listened to David Tucker's story and it has been a story of leukemia and it's been a story of experiences that illness bring, but also amazing miracles that come straight directly from tragedy. David has shared with us for two weeks and he's told us partly a lot about the healing process that took place as he worked with this author, Marilis Scott, this wonderful woman. And they together did collaboration. She did write his book. She was an extension. She listened. She witnessed his truth. She listened to his pain. She did not ever judge him. And that contributed greatly to his healing. He shared the story today of bone marrow donation and Christian and a stranger's kindness. And then meeting Christian. How great is that? That moment crossing that yellow line and the airport, I mean, oh my gosh, just, just goosebumps everywhere. That's his donor, Christian. And how profound was that for them to finally meet? Because they both wanted it. And so I just feel like there's so much more. You know, I am going to share my Lindsay Life secret, but I want to thank you, David, for just being here for these two weeks because it's been so precious. And so many listeners, I guarantee, are gaining so much from being able to listen you know, to you and from you directly. So thank you. You're welcome. And again, thank you so very much for having me on this show. I, I thoroughly loved being on this show, and I really hope I've inspired some people. Or actually, I hope I've inspired everybody, but at least some people to go out there and start the process of donating bone marrow because it only takes one person to save one life. And if we can get a lot of people to save a lot of lives, then let's just get it done. And it's easy, painless, and free to do. DavidTuckerow.com. Love it. Love it. Great, great. Last, last punch there. Love it. And so here's what I'm going to say. Here's my Lindsay's life secret. We are on the planet to live and we are on the planet to give. So having a purpose makes living worth doing. 
If you don't really have a purpose, not a lot of reason to want to live. So you want to have a purpose and offering to donate into a bone marrow bank. What an amazing choice. What a proud purpose. If you choose that one, we are not often given the chance to save a life or given the chance to give back a life if it's slipping away. But this option that offers you the choice. So go to davidtuckerow.com, sign up. I have told you that if you contact me via Facebook, which is illuminating now, or write me, L-I-N-Z-I-244 at sbcglobal.net, and that's listed lots of places. If you just write me an email and tell me that you signed up and made that choice, and just to put your name in the bank, just to get the kit sent to you, that's all. I will announce loud and clear as the shows go by, who were these leaders? Who are these contributors? Who are the names of the people in the world paying it forward? You can do this, and if you make a choice, you made it just because you can. How great is that? So we should all listen, and you should all get access to the names of the people who would make this choice just because they can. I want you to know that it doesn't matter whether it's months from now or you wake up four months from today or five months and say, I'm going to do it. I was scared, but today I'm doing it. If you wake up and make that choice and write me or put it on Facebook, your name will be announced five months from now. It doesn't run out. This offer doesn't run out. So I want you to join this cause, join this movement, and your name is going to be announced as a leader that I hope others follow from. I want to tell you next week, our guest will be Greg Newton. He's a marriage family therapist, private practice in the Bay Area. He has taught for 17 years, developmental psychology, neuroscience. He's led groups for teens, worked with Children's Protective Services. And we are going to be talking about some important, important issues with regard to teens and the hyperconnectivity, the cyber bubble and ADD and depression and anxiety and medications and so many things that they are having to face and you as parents are having to understand and learn. Listen, I know that all of you who choose this show, I know you're pressed for time. I know you have lots of choices. I know you always do. And I bring it up each week because you deserve to be acknowledged for it. When you listen to this show and you contribute to Facebook and Twitter and become a part of a community of which we now have 20,000 plus, I have gratitude for you and you deserve a thank you. So thank you. This is Lindsay Levinson, your host. Our guest has been David Tuckerow. Please go check out the book, Bad to the Bone. Marilis Scott wrote this with David's story. She was named Ambassador of Hope by Oprah Winfrey. I read the book. I never put it down. Please buy the book, buy it, read it, and go to his website, davidtakaro.com. Sign up, donate, and have a fantastic week. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Please join Lindsay Levinson again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 